The EY Tech Connect podcast brings you candid conversations about the most pressing priorities facing tech, media and entertainment, and telecommunications companies, and provide strategic insights on the key issues that matter to them, including topics such as the top 10 opportunities in tech, the next generation of gaming, the future of connectivity and content, and the latest talent strategies. The EY Tech Connect podcast is out now. Download today from wherever you get your podcasts. As Israeli forces raid the largest hospital in Gaza on the hunt for Hamas, our correspondent in the Middle East tells us what this means at this stage in the conflict. Welcome to The World in 10, the big news stories of the day, explained and analysed by The Times of London today with Alex Dibble and Bhavani Vadi. Yesterday on The World in 10, we reported on the desperate situation at the largest hospital in Gaza, which is no longer functioning in the midst of fighting between Hamas and Israeli forces. The Israeli army has now entered Al-Shifa Hospital in Gaza City and claims to have found weapons and terrorist infrastructure on its grounds, but as yet has not spelt out exactly what has been found. Witnesses describe the raid as terrifying. Uh, now, this is a senior plastic surgeon, Dr. Ahmed El Mokhalalati, describing the situation. One of the big uh, tanks entered uh, within the hospital from the eastern main gate. The shooting, the bombardments, all kinds of weapons were used around the hospital, and they they targeted the hospital directly. The outpatient department uh, was targeted directly. Everyone got really, really terrified and felt the situation really difficult. The other thing is we can't look through the windows or doors. We don't know what's happening. We can't tanks moving within the hospital. We can hear continuous shooting. The Al-Shifa Hospital is a huge complex. You can get a better understanding of it in the latest coverage of this story on the Times website, which shows exactly where on the site more than 2,000 civilians have been seeking shelter. Israel has long claimed that Hamas has a command centre beneath the hospital. And last night, the US said for the first time that it also has intelligence that this is the case, something Hamas denies. Here's analysis from Catherine Philp the World Affairs Editor at the Times, who is in Tel Aviv. The US made it very clear that they didn't want any airstrikes to happen on that hospital. So I think that what we're seeing is, within the context of hospital, there's something like what's been warned about that all along that could be the hardest part of any manoeuvre that the IDF carry out in Gaza, which is that they're going to be um, fighting Hamas amongst civilians within Gaza in, in a very close quarters, it would probably be a turning point if the Israelis are correct in their intelligence. I don't think it means by any stretch that this conflict is nearing an end. The Israeli military says it sent in medics, uh, Arabic speakers, and that it's provided incubators for the premature babies at risk, even as it was searching for the Hamas fighters. Here's Catherine again on the likelihood of those babies 
being moved to safety. The Israeli military was saying that they were trying to take in these battery-powered incubators to evacuate the babies. There was something of a war of narratives about whether that, you know, exactly how that offer or arrangements had been made. It seems like if it now does go ahead, it may do so at the end of Israeli guns, that they may literally force an evacuation of civilians before they do whatever they do. If they've taken in with them on that mission those um, incubators, then that would be the moment to transfer them, which the hospital yesterday said they've no uh, objection to in principle. But obviously the logistics are a different thing. And if Hamas are seeking to use people as civilian shields, that, that does create an enormous amount of peril for everyone involved. Coming up, why a pool player forfeited her place in the finals of a prestigious tournament and the controversy in France over a Hollywood portrayal of Napoleon's wife. Before that, though, our next story is one that's had huge political ramifications in the UK, but will also resonate with you pretty much wherever you are in the world. There are not many parts of the West at the moment which are not trying to figure out how to handle the issue of migration. And today, a potential solution, which was planned by the British government and watched carefully by other parts of Europe, has collapsed. In short, the policy was that the UK had agreed with Rwanda to send people who had illegally arrived on these shores on flights to the Central African nation, where they'd be processed and potentially given the right to remain there. For reasons you can read in detail on thetimes.co.uk, the UK's Supreme Court has decided that's illegal. Yes, uh, but it begs the question, if Donald Trump's wall proved impossible and agreeing for another willing state to take them is illegal, how does the West solve an increasing migration crisis? Uh, The issue is splitting not just political opponents, but even entire political parties at the moment. Germany may be the next place to look for an idea, because it's been divided on it too. For some in Germany, the UK's Rwanda idea, with a few tweaks, was along the right lines. But the Times' correspondent in Berlin, Oliver Moody, has told the World in 10 that the ruling against that plan will bolster the German Chancellor's policy. The significance of the ruling is that it gets to the heart of the problems that the German government is now contemplating. Olaf Scholz is personally pretty sceptical that it can be made to work, particularly from a legal perspective. And Scholz has already set a number of other measures in motion that are designed to make it easier to deport rejected asylum seekers and to deter others from coming to Germany in the first place. The metaphor that he uses is like a big machine with a lot of tiny screws. And the only way that you can make a meaningful difference in the long run is to address each of these individual screws. But I think the Supreme Court ruling certainly does lend more strength to Schultz's case. For some time now, sport has been grappling with how to handle where trans women should compete. Is it fair for them to compete in female events? Should they have their own category? Or, as a lot of individual sports have decided, will the men's category become open instead and allow trans women to compete there? Now, when we planned today's podcast, we all agreed one sport we didn't see this being an issue for would be 
pool. Uh, yet here we are, speaking about just that. And we take you to North Wales, uh, Denbyshire to be precise, where the Ladies' Champion of Champions event has been taking place. And we reach the final, where Lynn Pinches was due to play Harriet Haynes. And just as the match was about to begin, something remarkable happened. Yes, Lynn! Yes, That's the moment Lynn Pinches told the referee she wouldn't compete and left. Her reason? Harriet Haynes is a trans woman. It meant Harriet Haynes was given the trophy by default, but Lynn Pinches later explained that neither the trophy nor the money on offer meant anything to her without fairness. And as you just heard, she received quite a lot of support from the crowd when she made her exit. Yes, uh, the sports world governing bodies have both stated that trans players can compete in women's series, but Lynn Pinches claims that in this tournament at least, players were originally told there would be a separate category for biological females. So another sport, it seems, that is having to navigate this difficult issue. one of history's most controversial figures and now the new Hollywood movie about his life is also causing a stir. Napoleon. As the course of my life has changed. Napoleon. I found the crown of France in the gutter and placed it atop my own head. Historical drama Napoleon, starring Joaquin Phoenix as the infamous French emperor, has been slammed uh, by French film critics. They say it is pastiche and that Vanessa Kirby's portrayal of Napoleon's first wife, Josephine, is overly sexual. Now, Hollywood has a long history of making movies that aren't particularly historically accurate. Would a French director have approached this differently? Well, here's the Times' Charles Bremner in Paris with his take. Yes, it would. It would be very different. There's a British and American style of filmmaking, which is quite different from French. goes in for a broader brush approach and a more visually spectacular. French filmmakers would say their films are rather more complicated than what they call Anglo-Saxon films. So that's generalising greatly. There's, there's obviously a lot of national feeling involved in this. Uh, you can imagine how British critics would react if uh, a French film dramatised the life of Winston Churchill, for instance. Uh, there would be a lot of protectiveness. If you want to judge for yourself, uh, the new Napoleon movie is released in the US and the UK next week. That's it from us today. Remember, there is more on all these stories on The Times website. Head to thetimes.co.uk and take out a digital subscription. Thanks for taking 10 minutes to stay on top of the world with the help of The Times of London. See you tomorrow. The EY Tech Connect podcast brings you candid conversations about the most pressing priorities facing tech, media and entertainment, and telecommunications companies, and provides strategic insights on the key issues that matter to them, including topics such as the top 10 opportunities in tech, the next generation of gaming, the future of connectivity and content, and the latest talent strategies. The EY Tech Connect podcast is out now. Download today from wherever you get your podcasts.